From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome, there we are. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. Another busy, action-packed show for you tonight, this morning. Our panel, Joseph Farah, publisher and founder of WND, formerly World Net Daily, and best-selling author Carl Gallops are standing by. We'll get an update on uh, Fukushima fallout, uh, the uh, Fukushima fallout, rather, from Dr. John Apsley, and uh, Canada's former Minister of Defense and Deputy Prime Minister, the Honorable Paul Hellyer, along with uh, Victor Vigiani from Zeland Communication, will be here to talk UFO disclosure. That's all ahead in Hour 1, Hour 2, of course, Open Lines. And then producer Barry Katz on his brand new documentary, Just in Time for JFK's 100th Birthday, I Killed JFK, investigating the claims of an individual who has confessed to having been the Grassy Knoll shooter. That's all ahead. First, a very sad note, a good friend of the program, rock historian and investigator of the legends and curses and strange tales behind rock's greatest names, R. Gary Patterson, passed away. Suddenly, at his home near Knoxville, Tennessee, Friday night, Gary appeared many, many times on uh, this program. He was also a fan favorite on Coast to Coast AM. And Gary was here in Toronto for a live event uh, that I uh, produced called Take a Walk on the Dark Side, Rock and Roll Myths, Legends and Curses. That was back in October. He was also my close friend, dear friend, for nearly 20 years and a partner on a new radio project we were developing and were very, very close to launching. Uh, so... Uh, Gary, eternal be your memory. I'm going to miss you, pal. And uh, to Gary's family and his former high school students, he taught for over 40 years, and there were thousands of them over that 40-year stretch. Uh, my prayers go out to you and all, and my deepest condolences, of course. More on my last telephone conversation with Gary just hours before his death uh, at the bottom of the hour. I'll, I'll tell you about that. What's in the box? Our weekly remote viewing experiment is coming up. You know the drill. To participate, tweet me at Richard Serrett using the hashtag TCS Remote, TCS as in The Conspiracy Show. The object is sitting in a cigar box to my left here in studio at 70 Jefferson Avenue in the Liberty Village neighborhood of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. There you have your coordinates. Good luck. And uh, we'll reveal the contents of the box also at the bottom of the hour. All right. The mainstream media is not at all interested in investigating the murder of DNC information tech Seth Rich last July in Washington. If you raise the question on places like CNN, as one congressman did recently in calling for a special investigator, you get shouted down by an hysterical news anchor. Or if you tweet a story about how former DNC chair Donna Brazil called the Washington police to ask why a private investigator was snooping around the Seth Rich murder investigation, you might just get your Twitter account suspended. What's going on? Why so unreasonable? Why is it so unreasonable? Why such a taboo to ask questions about the, uh, the murder of young Seth Rich? Shot in the back. The mayor of D.C. Very quick to dismiss this as a botched robbery. She's already come up with the conclusion. The investigation hasn't even been concluded. Uh, yet nothing was taken from Seth Rich. He had his wallet, his cell phone, his watch still on his person. Why didn't police bother to interview any of his colleagues at the DNC? 
Isn't that standard procedure? Why didn't they look at the surveillance video at a bar where Rich stopped for a drink before heading home? And then there's Julian Assange from WikiLeaks, who has all but admitted that it was Seth Rich who was the source of those damaging emails that cast Hillary and John Podesta in such bad light and that led to the resignation of disgraced DNC chair Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Why is everyone so scared to talk about Seth Rich? Now, not sure if we have, uh, I don't believe we have Joseph Farah from uh, WND, uh, but we'll try to get him. And uh, in the meantime, we also have Carl Gallups, the longtime senior pastor of Hickory Hammock Baptist Church, the best-selling author of When the Lion Roars, Final Warning, and many more. Additionally, he's a conference leader, evangelist, and Christian media icon. Carl Gallops, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend? Richard Serrett, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you for having me on tonight. I'm absolutely, beyond, I'm absolutely honored to be with you, especially on this topic. All right. So um, we're, we're uh, trying to get a hold of, uh, of Joseph Farah. They ran an interesting chronology on uh, WND recently. Yes. Um, let me just ask you the, the obvious question, and that is, why do you think the mainstream media is not just ignoring this story, they're going out of their way, it seems, uh, to prevent anyone from talking about it? I mentioned Twitter. WND yeah. ran that Donna Brazil story. They... they, they uh, they stopped their, or they, they banned them from Twitter for a period of time. What's going on? Well, Richard, listen, your analysis as you opened the show was brilliant. And the point that you were stressing, I think the central point of, of what you were stressing was this. What is wrong with asking logical and legitimate questions? That's what media is supposed to do. That's what even people who are opinionators, like myself, that's, that's what we're supposed to do. Now, I've been in ministry for 31, 32 years. I've been on the radio publicly, nationally, and internationally for 15 years. But prior to all of that, for 10 years, I spent in Florida law enforcement with two different sheriff's offices. And in one of those sheriff's offices, I did my own criminal investigation. So, so I, I'm very familiar with the investigative process of, of uh, criminal, uh, you know, murder cases. So it's, it's, obvious there's there's no doubt that seth rich was murdered i it, and and you know even even the dnc even the liberals admit that the question is that they're saying that it's a botched robbery well i can say based upon my past criminal investigations and law enforcement experience there are a couple of scenarios wherein this might have been a botched robbery I don't know all the details. I'm not investigating it. It could very well turn out when it's all said and done, it could be a botched robbery. The point is, as you so brilliantly pointed out early, earlier, that anyone who dares to ask a question, to even, to even intimate that, that maybe there's more to it than this, they are immediately excoriated. And, and of course the mainstream media is, 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 this is their, this is their forte. Listen, I've been the victim of absolute fake news and fake headlines and fake stories because I'm out in the public so much. I mean, I actually opened a Donald Trump rally for him. And of course they focused on me and just began to, 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 to uh, unload their fake news headlines about me. So I know how this stuff works, which makes me extremely suspicious, Richard, when something like this with with all of the potential ties it has, as you said, Julian Assange has all but has all but said that that Seth Rich was involved. He he's put up a huge um, uh, reward. 
Uh, you've got Donna Brazil, who contacted the family during the investigation, apparently. Rod Wheeler's testimony on, on Fox News with Sean Hannity. Now some of the mainstream media is claiming that he's retracted some of that. But I, I'm telling you, I've had to look hard and long to find any lengthy retraction statements. Um, I, I noticed that the, that, that interview that he did with Sean Hannity, I went to click on it tonight because we had it embedded on a lot of our sites, it's been removed from YouTube. Right. Uh, so Fox News, I guess, has removed it, or either YouTube has removed it. There's also, Carl, there's some suggestion that uh, that Hannity may not be coming back on Tuesday. We shall see, and yes. uh, it may be as a result of the Seth Rich coverage. Yes, I've heard that. And listen, here's the thing. I've been doing some radio shows on this on my own program. I've been playing those clips, audio clips, from that interview. I downloaded the whole video. I have it, as I'm sure many others have. So... So YouTube may have pulled it, and others, you know, Fox News may have pulled it, but I'm sure that video is everywhere out there. I've got it, and I've listened to it over and over. I listened to it before I came on the show tonight. And so what Rod Wheeler says, as you know, I'm sure, is that he admitted to Sean Hannity, he said, look, I've not seen the laptop. I've not seen with my eyes evidence of uh, emails on his computer released to WikiLeaks. He says, but I have spoken with a federal investigator who has assured us that he has seen it. He has laid his eyes on the computer and on the thousands, I think tens of thousands, if I'm not mistaken, of, of emails that were involved in the WikiLeaks uh, scandal. So, you know, and then Rod Wheeler went on to say the news says that he's not working for the family. Yet Rod Wheeler said very clearly in that interview, he said, let me make this perfectly clear. I have a contract with the Wheeler family. I work for, excuse me, not the Wheelers, but the, the Rich family. He says, right. I work for the Rich family. And he named the, the husband and the wife by their first names. He said, I have a contract with them. He said, now there's a third party involved in, in the payments, but I have the contract with them. And so, what about, Carl, what about this? Uh, Carl Gallops uh, is with us, uh, best-selling author, Final Warning, When the Lion Roars and um, uh, many, many others, Magic Man in the Sky, also former law enforcement. I, I failed to mention that in your introduction. That's important. Former law enforcement. And what is, uh, you, you know, we have talked about this previously. What is a homicide detective if not a conspiracy theorist? Well, uh, but the, the mainstream media in particular, again, seems to be showing a stunning lack of curiosity. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing, Richard. That's the thing that makes me suspicious. Now, their stunning lack of curiosity doesn't in and of itself prove anything. But what is shocking is that they refuse. I mean, they excoriate anyone else who dares ask a question. Look, if there's nothing to hide, let people ask questions. The facts are the facts. The truth is the truth. Uh, if it's done properly and vetted properly, the truth will come to the top. As you said, that's what a criminal law enforcement officer investigator does. We, I mean, uh, we, you know, of course I was a conspiracy theorist. Most crimes begin with some sort of conspiracy, and my job was to unravel it by various theories and, and try to prove innocence of people. And when you run into roadblocks and you can't prove their innocence, and when you can't 
uh, excuse them from from perhaps the crime scene or, or being a suspect, then you dig deeper. I mean, that that's how the thing works. Hey, that's the way it's supposed to work, Carl. Let's, sadly, we are out of time, but we're going to keep drilling down on this story. And uh, we thank you so much. Uh, CarlGallops.com, C-A-R-L. G-A-L-L-U-P-S, carlgallops.com. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you, Richard. My pleasure. God bless you. Carl Gallops. Coming up, a report from a Norwegian group says the fallout from the horrible Fukushima nuclear disaster in March 2011 is nothing to worry about. Dr. John Apslip will weigh in on that next. Stay with us. Loose lips sink ships. And sometimes corporations. Got something to say? Call Richard Serrett now at 416-360-0740 or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Coming up at the uh, bottom of the hour, of course, we'll reveal what's in the box, our weekly remote viewing experiment. Please tweet me at Richard Serrett. At Richard Serrett, S-Y, because I love you, R-E-T-T, at Richard Serrett. Use the hashtag TCS Remote, TCS as in The Conspiracy Show, hashtag TCS Remote. And uh, we'll also uh, talk about my final conversation with the late R. Gary Patterson, who passed this past, uh, who passed away on Friday, suddenly at his home, uh, the author of uh, Take a Walk on the Dark Side, Rock and Roll Myths, Legends, and Curses. Uh, every person on Earth got the equivalent of an extra X-ray from the Fukushima nuclear disaster, a new study claims. Researchers have carried out the first global survey of radiation exposure caused by the meltdown of three nuclear reactors at the Fukushima uh, nuclear plant in Japan after a tsunami struck back in March of 2011. They concluded that people need not panic about the dosage. We we don't need to worry, quote, end quote, says Nicholas Evangelou of the Norwegian Institute for Air Research, whose team conducted the tests. He told the annual meeting of the European Geosciences Union in Vienna, Austria, last month. This is according to the New Scientist. Now, uh, he says, quote, more than 80% of the radiation was deposited in the ocean and poles. So I think the global population got the least exposure. The researchers estimated the dose that most individuals received to be 0.1 millisievert. 0.1 millisievert. What I found was, he says, that we got one extra X-ray each. One extra X-ray, that's it? Here to discuss is Dr. John Apsley, a physician, author, who for the past 30 years has specialized in regenerative medicine. His cutting-edge techniques are designed to reverse chronic degenerative disease at their source through accelerated tissue repair and cellular regeneration. He's uh, written or co-authored six books, including Fukushima, Meltdown, and Modern Radiation, and the bestseller, The Regeneration Effect. The website is Dr. Apsley, that's D-R-A-P-S-L-E-Y, drapsley.com. Dr. John Apsley, welcome to The Conspiracy Show. How are you, my friend? I am doing very well. Good to be with you again, Richard. All right. Let me get first your uh, your, your general um, view of this Norwegian study that we got essentially the equivalent of an extra X-ray each. Well, the first thing is, is that if we know what to do about radiation exposure, then there's no reason to fear. But we do we do need to know what to do about it. Secondly... If you were to spread out the radiation like he did through what he did was a mathematical model, we know that those mathematical models have never, ever, ever been accurate. That's just a historical fact. But if you were to use his logic, if uh, 7 billion people 
had the equivalent of one x-ray, well, what would happen if only three billion people were exposed and the other four billion missed any radiation? Well, they would be getting two x-rays. What would happen if only a billion people were exposed to the radiation? It would condense down and those people would be getting uh, four uh, chest x-rays. And you keep on diminishing that down until you start looking at the infant death mortality rate here on the West Coast of the United States and North America, right up into Vancouver, Canada, where there was a spike of 40 to 65% in the infant death rate that was reported and published in the peer-reviewed medical literature. Um, so where the fallout actually landed um, did cause major harm. And those studies were blasted by individuals that don't understand that uh, infants are very, very sensitive to radiation. They have no defenses. And they also, these same researchers, do not understand the pet cow effect. So the pet cow effect goes like this. A particle of radiation is nothing like an X-ray. An X-ray is a flash of radiation that goes through your body in the blink of an eye. But when you inhale or drink or eat a radioactive particle, that stays in your body for days and weeks and months, and that causes a radiation burn at a very, very slow level. Right. That low level, because the body doesn't recognize it as a threat, can be 100 billion times more damaging than if the radiation was released all at once. That's called the Picao effect. It was discovered in Canada back in the 1970s. So you're saying it's ridiculous to, to compare radioactive particles to a medical X-ray? They're oh, apples, apples and oranges. It's, it's, not, it's apples and mud. It's so absurd. <laughs> All right. So what do we know about uh, this um, this organization, the uh, the Norwegian Institute for Air Research? Have you ever heard of them before? Uh, no, I haven't. Um, the, the initial studies that came out on how much radiation was released showed that in the air, about three times the amount of radiation was uh, released compared to Chernobyl. And the amount that was released into the oceans to, up to the present moment has been about three times uh, more. So we have about six times, approaching six times the amount of radiation that was released uh, compared to Chernobyl. And what you see with the propagandists is that they want to continually try to lower the amount of radiation that's released or say that it was diluted and not ever talk about bioaccumulation or biomagnification, which means human beings sit at the top of the food chain. So as this very dilute amount of, and they were just talking about two particles, by the way, there's really 30 uh, toxic radiation particles that were released at Fukushima, if not more. But what we're talking about with bioaccumulation is, is that we're at the top of the food chain. So the small life forms that get all the radiation into them are eaten by the larger life forms. And by the time that human beings that live on the Pacific Rim are eating seafood continually, well, they're getting huge amounts of radiation. It's a 300-fold increase. And over 25 years, this makes a huge impact in people's health, as it did at Chernobyl. Um, an example, there is massive die-offs that are totally mysterious that have been occurring with sea life, sea lions, whales, stingrays, jellyfish, you name it, other crustaceans that wash up on the shores of Hawaii, on the San Diego shores, elsewhere around the Pacific Rim that are completely inexplicable and don't normally happen. Um, the, the results of the tests that they're running on 
uh, those to see if there's radiation there aren't being reported. So uh, the same thing happened in Japan in December of uh, 2013. They did a Japan secrecy law so that all the children, unfortunately, that have thyroid cancer or died um, aren't being reported. Most of the nurses and doctors left the area because they couldn't report on what they were seeing. They, if they reported they were treating radiation exposure, they would be disciplined. So, um, you know, there's been this massive exodus of the people that really do know what's going on from, from Japan, and they blacked out any media from reporting it anyway. Dr. John Apsley is uh, with us. The website is drapsley.com, and it's D-R-A-P-S-L-E-Y, drapsley.com. And uh, he is the author of Fukushima Meltdown and Modern Radiation and the Regeneration Effect. So we're seeing, obviously, some short-term uh, die-offs and so forth, and, and uh, um, some some hot zones in terms of, you mentioned infant mortality. What about a lo- the long term? Is there any way of calculating, you know, are we going to see uh, a thyroid cancer epidemic? What are, we, what are we looking at long term here, potentially? Well, we have a model. We have Chernobyl. Uh, if We know that the amount of fuel that was at Fukushima altogether was at least six times the amount that was at Chernobyl. The debate is is that how much of that six times the amount of Chernobyl was actually released. And because now there are uh, water seepage into the deepest recesses of where the remaining damaged uh, radioactive core is that leaches into the ocean over a period of time, and we can't stop it. There's no known technology to stop the leaching once the uh, process starts. All that's going to eventually get into the Pacific Ocean. So if you look at Chernobyl... After 25 years, it was reported in, in places like Wikipedia that only 30 people died from the radiation released at Chernobyl. But Yablokov and five other epidemiologists did an authoritative study. They spent years gathering the actual data, going into doctors' clinics and hospitals. Because Russia, the Soviet Union back then, also put uh, secrecy laws in place. So, But 25 years later, when the actual researchers came forward, it wasn't 30 people who died from the radiation. It was almost a million people that died from the radiation. My word. And 8 million were maimed. These are severely deformed people that had all kinds of neurological, heart, uh, organ uh, you know, issues that lasted their entire lifetime. We're going to see that, and this is what's expected. But I want people to know we can do something about it. We can take certain uh, protective substances uh, that are very simple and inexpensive. Not iodine. Iodine's, it, that's gone. Iodine would have done a lot of good at the very beginning, but now, uh, iodine won't help us. We have to do other things, and that's things that I put up on my website for people to do. And that's uh, drapsley.com. D-R-A-P-S-L-E-Y. Drapsley.com. Um, the, um, the nuclear industry that is, um, you know, are they behind the? Uh, obviously, they would be behind the uh, the um, the media blackout in Japan. Are they exerting a great deal of pressure on the Japanese government? How does that work exactly? Yes, you know, uh, it, it always happens. Uh, it happened in Chernobyl. It happened at Three Mile Island. It took 15 years for the lawsuit to finally prove that people were damaged at Three Mile Island. Fukushima is no different. Um, Arnie Gunderson um, has a website, fairwinds.org. And the, uh, the fair has an E at the, uh, at the end of it, so F-A-I-R-E, wins.org. He just recently uh, did a, um, a compilation of Three Mile Island, 
Chernobyl and Fukushima and discussed in a, on a radio audio on, on the website exactly what, uh, what the damages were and, uh, and will be to the environment for quite some time. Um, it is a propaganda art. Um, you know, propaganda is the art to turn truth into untruth and untruth into truth. And it's become very perfected, like, for example, comparing apples to mud. And, the, and because people get real confused about radiation, I think it's way over their head when it's not. It's just common sense. Um, you know, they, uh, for example, the National Academy of Sciences has said there is no such thing as a safe level of radiation, period. Over 250,000 people a year die for being exposed to radiation here in the United States alone. Just simple background radiation. A simple background radiation, yes. Like from your granite countertop. Exactly, yes. 250,000 people a year, I'm sorry, they get new cases of cancer. And about half of those are lethal. So um, it isn't a, a little tiny thing. But, but it's not about being fearful. It's about being informed and knowing what to do about it. Well, we'll certainly uh, direct, again, people to your website, drapsley.com, but give us give us a, a, a few takeaways here in the time that remains, and we have uh, just a few minutes. Uh, I mean, you mentioned it's too late now to take iodine pills. Uh, what else can we do uh, to prevent, uh, you know, the, the adverse effects of, the, of this radiation? Well, uh, not only what's happened with Fukushima on the planet, see, once it gets into the food chain, it's impossible to get out. So uh, not only our families, but our families' children and their children will be dealing with this for the next 300 years. Uh, But our body has natural protection mechanisms that if those are supported with certain nutrients, that we would be able to overcome a great deal of that risk. For example, taking an adequate amount of vitamin C. That's a big one. Uh, There's an amino acid called NAC, very common in health food stores. It's not expensive. That, that's a very, very good one. Um, other kinds of vitamins. Uh, they've done research with the military uh, who are the front-line people who would be exposed to a dirty bomb, for example, and they've shown that just a small amount of certain minerals and vitamins taken, a very inexpensive, would cause like 90% of the people to be protected and not have to worry about the aftermath of radiation exposure. So that's in my book. Um, it's, a lot of it's on my website for free. Anyone can look at it. And it's also in my book very thoroughly, If an, well, unfortunately, when the next accident occurs, and, and it will. And uh, you talk about the Pacific Rim, obviously a densely populated area. Those people are, that would be one of the, the impact zones, uh, presumably one of the impact zones, and, and uh, those populations heavily dependent on, on seafood. Uh, right. So, I mean, obviously we should then be avoiding certain types of, of, of food com- that comes from those, from those areas. Yes, I, I don't eat any uh, fish from the North Pacific above the equator. And you have to be careful because sometimes the fish boats that are located in the southern parts of the equator, below the equator in the Pacific, they go into the north to fish. Uh, so I just stay with the Atlantic. I stay with only certain seafoods. Um, and the rest I just... You know, I avoid eating seafoods entirely. Um, it's unfortunate, but hey, you know, I I want to protect my health and my family's health, and uh, we, we we just can't. Uh, one, one example right now, uh, there are photographs that are spreading throughout uh, E News um, that shows fish that are severely mutated, not just around uh, Japan, but occasionally in islands that are thousands of miles away, but also in the north on the uh, east coast of uh, China. 
down to Taiwan. They'll wash up on shore, and these are gross, disfigured fish that are bleeding from their gills. That's oh very consistent with radiation poisoning. All right. Uh, that's a very bleak uh, outlook, but there is hope. Get on up to uh, DrApsley.com, and the book again is Fukushima Meltdown and Modern Radiation. Dr. Apsley, thank you so much for this. We'll talk again thank soon. You. Take care now. Uh, coming up, Canada's former Minister of Defense. No, sorry. Coming up next, our What's in the Box reveal and uh, my last conversation with R. Gary Patterson. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. Peering into the shadows where the truth often hides. You're listening to The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. All right. Let me introduce the uh, the boys in the band very quickly. On the uh, Flying V Gibson guitar, technical producer Ian Grant. Albert Finzel here in studio, my story producer. And did I say Ian Grant? Oh, my Lord. Grant. Ian Robertson. Sorry. Now that's another Ian up the road that I used to work with. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'm discombobulated and a little confused, and I'll tell you why in a few moments. Let me also, Albert Finzel, my story producer, and Ryan White, who uh, produces uh, my weekly radio feature, Strange Planet, and also helps uh, Albert here with our uh, YouTube stream as well. Let me just uh, get a quick take from each of you on uh, what's in the box, our weekly remote viewing experiment, and we will begin with uh, Ian on the other side there. Ian, what's in the box? I'm sensing something that can contain current, but I guess that's broad. That can contain what? Current, like an electrical current. Oh, contain current. Yeah, but interesting. Uh, more like a cord of some sort. Ah, interesting. Like okay. a charger or something. Hmm. All right. Albert? I get the harmonica, blues band, metal, silver, horn sound. I'm getting a lot of the repeats. You've got to find new objects. If I go with harmonica or maybe the toy airplane. All right. You did well. You got the flashlight right last week. Let's see uh, what Ryan has to say. What's in the box? I was thinking maybe some kind of piece of wood uh, at the end of a four by four, two by four, something like that. Interesting. All right. Let's go to the Twitter feed. What are people saying, Ryan? We have some really good guesses. Uh, Daniel says a small green toy car. Alan says a bottle opener. Drew says a keychain. Amanda says uh, she sees something Gary gave you personally, uh, maybe a guitar pick, and she's hoping there's a story. Sorry for your loss, she says. That's, that's a good guess. It is. Aaron says a Jabba the Hutt action figure. <laughs> I think he says that every week. Well, <laughs> uh, uh, a Mojo family says a red hair clip. All right. YY is thinking um, something wooden, maybe folds up. Jamie, I guess, is a fidget spinner. Surprised you haven't had that guess. Interesting. All right. That's uh, yeah. certainly trending. Paul says a comb or something like that. All right. Well, uh, a couple of you mentioned something wood. I'm, I'm afraid it's not close enough. I mean, it is made out of wood, but it's a ping-pong paddle. Mm-hmm. A ping-pong paddle. Thanks for playing, and we'll, uh, we'll resume that next week. Weekly remote viewing experiment. What's in the box? All right, thank you for uh, playing. Now, uh, I mentioned a little uh, confused. So I lost a good friend, our Gary Patterson, great friend of the program, great storyteller, all the, the rock and roll legends and curses and synchronicities, and had him on this program many times, coast to coast, um, lived in the Knoxville area, passed suddenly on Friday. All right, so I had a conversation. I've had weekly conversations with Gary for the last two years. I mean, we've known him for 20 years. But in the last two years, we've been developing a radio project together called Spirit of Rock Radio, the Twilight Zone meets rock and roll. So I received a call from Gary uh, Thursday night, and we were supposed to have a meeting, a conference call with a radio station in Knoxville on Monday. So he called to talk to me about that. Then I thought that I got a call on Friday, 
I thought I got a call Friday from Gary, Friday night, telling me that, oh, I forgot the, uh, the that Monday is Memorial Day, so we have to move the, uh, we're moving the conference call to Wednesday. And I thought, okay, fine. And I was sure that we talked Friday night, Thursday night, and then again Friday night. He called me. So Saturday morning, I get up, I get my coffee. It's about 7.30 in the morning. Normally, I listen to Coast to Coast. I fell asleep that night, didn't hear it. Dave Schrader was uh, was hosting, did a fine job as usual. Uh, I go downstairs, out to the front uh, stoop, have my coffee, open up my iPhone, and I get a Facebook message from Dave Schrader from Coast to Coast telling me, he said, not sure if you heard last night, but uh, our Gary Patterson passed away. And such a cliche, you know, on my part, the first instinct is, oh, come on, you got to be kidding. I just talked to him last night. Again, I'm thinking, I, I remember in my gut, I talked to him last night. Impossible. So what do I do? I call Gary's cell phone. And I, he doesn't pick up, obviously. I leave a message. Gary, I'm, I'm hearing some strange news from coast to coast. Uh, hoping it's not true, buddy. Give me a call. And I'm looking frantically online for an obituary, anything. And uh, so I texted, uh, I, or I messaged Dave Schrader back, and I said, no, I talked to him last night. So then I go onto my iPhone, and I pressed recent calls. You know, you can see the list. I had no calls on Friday, at least none showing on the recent call list. None. None. But Gary, sure enough, he called me Thursday, 8.45 p.m. The conversation lasted 19 minutes. So I I'm thinking, okay, but where's the call from before when he called me to tell me first the meeting was Monday, then he called me the next day to tell me the, the meeting was Wednesday. I know he called me last night, but there was nothing there. So I thought, okay, I'm losing my mind. I, I texted uh, Dave Schrader, or I Facebook messaged him back saying, oh, I, I guess it was Thursday I talked to him. So I go upstairs and I tell the mighty Aphrodite the sad news. And, uh, you know, we're, I'm devastated. Not only because I lost a friend, but you know we're working on something. We're excited. It's gonna finally. It's gonna come to fruition. Uh, and I said, Did, "Didn't I talk to him last night?" And she said, "Well, you talked to somebody. I saw you on the phone with somebody Friday night because um, her brother was over there. She saw me walk into the kitchen through the kitchen with cell phone to my ear, and she heard me talking. And she she was gonna ask me who it was, and then she forgot." And I didn't tell her who it was. I went downstairs. I thought I had talked. Nothing on my phone. No phone call from anyone Friday. Friday night. Turns out Gary Patterson passed sometime between 6.30 and 7 p.m., I'm told. I don't remember when I got that call. Or I didn't get that call. My phone says I didn't get a call. I didn't talk to anybody on Friday. I, I tell you, it has me up a tree. I'm confused. And I'm shaken, quite frankly, uh, by it. Uh, however... Uh, whether he called me Thursday or Friday from the other side, I tell you one, one the other thing that kind of sticks with me. Our last conversation, whether it was Thursday or Friday night after he passed, uh, he said two things to me that kind of stuck with me. One, he said, "You're a really cool dad." He knows my, you know, I'm a father of twin boys. I happened to mention to him that I took them to a zombies concert. <laughs> he said, "You're a really cool dad." The other thing he said to me was. I'm not saying this, you know, self-aggrandizement. I think he was trying to build us both up. He said, you know what, Richard, you and I, we're a big deal. I thought, that's kind of strange. Why did he say that to me? That was my last conversation with Gary Patterson. The thing that I am trying to figure out was, was it Thursday night or was it Friday night after he passed? Going to miss you, buddy. 
The former Defense Minister and Deputy Prime Minister of Canada, Paul Hellyer, talks UFO disclosure along with our good friend Victor Vigiani from Zealand News Network. Coming up next here on The Conspiracy Show. Stay with us. Fasten your seatbelt and put your tray in the upright position. You're about to leave everything you know behind on The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. All right, welcome back. So the uh, the Alien Cosmic Expo is uh, coming to Toronto, uh, June 23rd to the 25th at the Toronto Airport, Crown Plaza. And uh, one of the highlights at this year's conference, as in other years, is Canada's former Minister of Defence, Deputy Prime Minister, who uh, back in 2005... Uh, shocked uh, the world, really, certainly the UFO community, uh, when he became the first high-ranking former cabinet minister from a G20 country to come out and state that UFOs are real. He said they're as real as the planes flying over your head. That was at the University of Toronto, Hart House. Uh, and that ETs are interacting with human civilization. Uh, that was the Honorable Paul Hellyer, and uh, we are trying to reach out to him. I don't think we have him on the on the line yet. We'll keep trying. Um, also with us, another featured guest uh, at this year's Alien Cosmic Expo and a good friend of the program, regular contributor and the executive director of Zeland Communications and Zeland Network News, Victor Vigiani. Victor, I think we have you, don't we? Are you there? You got me. Yep, for oh, sure. All right. Uh, we, are, uh, we are scrambling to get Paul. He's not picking up, so... Um, we uh, will uh, soldier on. Uh, so, uh, the Alien Cosmic Expo, June 23rd to the 25th, the Toronto Airport Crown Plaza. What's is there kind of an overriding theme this year? Well, the the overriding theme is once again, as far as the number of speakers that we have, will be a, a sort of an eclectic approach of, I guess, um, you know, a multifaceted approach to the paranormal. And then on top of that would be the um, the whole UFO ET disclosure issue. I think those are the two overriding issues that we're dealing with. All right. I know that uh, um, the Honorable Mr. Hellyer was uh, anxious to talk about um, UFO disclosure and and uh, President Trump. Uh, uh-huh. So I'll, I'll I'll let you sort of pick up the ball and run with it. What is the feeling in the disclosure community, assuming that there is kind of a consensus? Um, about the likelihood or unlikelihood of disclosure happening under the current uh, administration. I know hopes were very high on, that it would happen under uh, Obama. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, I think, think the, the overriding and dominant feeling about the Trump administration is that they are um, categorically inept about every issue. And uh, my personal opinion is that uh, Mr. Trump, uh, I, I fail to call him President Trump because I don't think he's earned that respect myself, but that's another issue altogether. But I think the overall, um, the overriding issue is that this administration is totally incapable of understanding major global issues. And uh, the extraterrestrial issue has been one that some administrations in the past, and going back to the Reagan administration, uh, the Carter administration, uh, the Clinton administration, with all of their faults and, 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 and frailties, uh, they each dealt with the extraterrestrial issue in a specific way. And uh, they had an approach, uh, although it was not made public, of course, 
but they had a, an underwriting approach to the extraterrestrial issue, as we know that Hillary Clinton did, along with John Podesta. So uh, my, my sense is the, that the Trump administration, along with all of its contingent failures on every single front, be it health care, economics, uh, well, well, security, has really okay. failed to understand that there is an overriding understanding through the past presidents about the extraterrestrial issue. So I, I don't hold any hope at all myself that it uh, is going to come to any kind of fruition with this administration. Fair enough. I'll tell you why I th- I'd like to temper that. And I think you should be more hopeful. Uh, I mean, I, I had I held out no hope under the Obama administration or previous ones just because they have so much on their plate. And this is sort of way, 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 way down. Mm-hmm. And if it wasn't going to happen on uh, President Obama's watch... I, I don't think it's going to happen under Trump's watch. I don't think it's going to happen officially under any president's watch. But here's the thing that I think should provide a glimmer of hope in terms of President Trump's administration. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought that a president would ever hold another congressional hearing on the efficacy and safety of vaccines, for example? But that looks like it's in the works because Donald Trump got together with Robert Kennedy Jr. Mm-hmm. and they're going to look into this. Now, I know that from Roger Stone, who is a close uh, associate and advisor of Trump, although they seem to have had a falling out because of the uh, situation in Syria, Stone has made it pretty clear that Trump is, now he uses the term conspiracy theorist, and I know that term is bandied about and is used in the pejorative, but what he means by that is Trump is in tune with sort of this line of thinking that, you know, there's something going on here, there's a deep state, there's a, there's, there are, forces at work here, call them the globalists or what have you. So, I mean, Trump just might be, if I can use the term, reckless enough because he was elected as the great disruptor. So, I mean, I would hold out more hope for a guy like Trump being uh, in, interested in this than I would President Obama or, or, or previous uh, previous yeah. administrations. Well, I, th- <laughs> I, I, I understand your point, Richard, and I, I understand the thinking, but the the, the overriding principle of insanity is that you can go one way or another on any issue. And that's what I think uh, Mr. Trump is involved in. He can go any which way on any issue. He, he's done it on abortion. He's done it on his own shortcomings in terms of his attention span. He says, I'm the most attentive person in the world, but I have a short attention span. I'm a pro-choice and I'm pro-life. Well, no, 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 that's not that, that's not fair. It's, uh, I mean, in terms of the abortion well, issue, he, he, he had an, there was an evolution, and millions of people have gone through that. He had an epiphany. That's fair. I mean, I don't think you can you can use it. I wouldn't use that as an example. Well, the, the man is a contradictory being. That that's my assessment. He's right. a total contradiction in every sense of the world. Uh, of, of politics. He, he's admitted that he's a politician, and he's admitted that he's not a politician. Uh, we, we, he's, he's documented. In the New York Times, he said it. Uh, he, how can we trust a man who's vacillated on so many issues that um, in one way or another, it's going to come out in one way in his favor or one way against him? Well, Part of part of that is is certainly it's a stark stylistic difference that we haven't seen before, and that's part of his popularity is Absolutely. because because he is as I say he is a disruptor and he's here to overturn uh, the table and he's got a lot of people running scared 
And, um, I mean, okay, so he said, I'm a politician. I'm not a politician. I mean, I, 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 mean, I don't know that that necessarily negates, uh, you know, what he might accomplish in the future. No doubt about but, it. Yeah. But in terms of disclosure, I'm telling you, this guy, because he is such a disruptor, uh, I think you have a better chance of getting disclosure or at least get him talking about it publicly. I think when, you know, when Hillary goes on Jimmy Kimmel and all these other shows, mm-hmm. I think she, I think she's basically trolling for votes. Well, that's, yeah, that's true. Now, I, I've had this conversation with many people in the UFO research community and they feel exactly the way you have articulated the issue. So he's a non sequitur. So he could grab onto this issue like a dog with a bone and not know what the issue is all about and then run with it. So in, in a way, you're correct. But what will he do with the issue when it comes right down to admitting that American nuclear weapons have been tampered with by extraterrestrial vehicles? What will he do with that issue? What will he do with the issue of abductions? What will he do with the... 1,800 sightings from NORAD over the past five years Mm. per year. What's he going to do with that information if it's presented to him? With 75 intercepts per year over the last five years, how will his administration investigate that? And how will his, his his administration make some sort of articulate statement about what this issue is all about. I'd really love to hear what his assessment of that would be. It would not surprise me uh, to know that he would be be very interested in this, that he's probably read a great deal about this. Uh, Whether he's in a position or any president, and you and I have discussed this ad nauseum, any president is in a position to disclose. I mean, politically, in this climate right now, with, you know, this clash of civilizations with radical jihadis with uh you know the the economy seemingly on the brink of uh, a collapse mm-hmm. uh with all of these issues north korea uh the middle east i just can't see him carving out a you know a space in his agenda right now or any president for that matter uh while we continue to rush from one potential uh, you know, cataclysmic event to a neck to the next, and I know, I know that you know, perhaps yeah. at the end of this disclosure is the solution to some of these problems, but I just don't think politically any president can put himself out there. No, I, I, I think you're right. I don't, I don't see the complexity of the whole, in, entire global um, situation right now as being conducive to uh, some sort of disclosure. I, I, I agree with you, hmm. but. If there is a scintilla of information about national security, for, ex- for example, the, the nuclear issue, that will provide a wedge that will, according to Robert Salas, who we've interviewed before, yes. or you and I, that kind of in- information through NORAD or through the national security state will provide the Pentagon with information that the administration has to pay attention to. Now, do they have the acuity, the intelligence, to really look at the issue as to what it might be? It may be nothing, according to them. 
they could slough it off very easily. But the the documentation is so clear uh, that the administration has to consider it as something that's uh, investigatable. So where do they go with it? What do they do with that information? My perception is that this administration does not have the acuity to look at that kind of information because of the things you mentioned. There's too much on their plate, and I don't think they have the intelligent acuity to actually look at it. It's a two-pronged situation. All right, give us the details on the Alien Cosmic Expo. Okay, basically, it's uh, June 23rd, 24th, and 25th at the Crown Plaza Hotel here in Toronto, and we're having uh, up to 16 speakers. Uh, Stephen Greer will be presenting his film, Unacknowledged, uh, in the evening uh, at 7.30 on the Saturday, the 24th. I've seen the film. It's absolutely stunning, Richard. And he'll be joining us next week on the program to discuss. Victor, we'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Looking forward to it, Richard, and thank you very much. All right. Open lines coming up next here on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away.